You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. He tells you things and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic buzzkill and catastrophic Minnesota sports injuries. Here are Mackie and Joe. Yes, all right. The pecking order is back in full force here. The off-season edition of the pecking order. So, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, devastating injury. Jimmy Butler, devastating injury. Um, Let's make it official here. Rank as many as you want. You lead us off. All right. Your most devastating Minnesota sports injuries. I actually went back to the tried and true number of 10, okay? So I've got 10 here. I am sure that uh, I am missing at least a couple, but these are my 10. I'm going to start with, at the bottom, I'm going to start with Adrian Peterson, and here's why. Okay, 2011, he tears up his knee at the end of that season, and it's a great story how he comes back in 2012. But what's sort of sad is, in his case, then he tears the meniscus, if that sounds familiar, in 2016, and that essentially ends his time here. So Peterson is an honorary to a certain degree, but because he tore up his knee twice and because the second one, Mm -hmm. Peterson number 10. Number nine, and now this is a combination of devastating injuries that hurt a team's season coupled with with a guy's career. Number nine on my list, Ricky Rubio, 2011. The Rick Adelman-led Timberwolves, if you recall, were, uh, they played the Lakers, I believe, on a Friday night at Target Center, and I think they were going into that game holding the eighth and final playoff spot, and it looked like they might have a chance to finally end their long stretch of not getting to the playoffs. And Ricky Rubio, who was averaging 10.6 points and 8.2 assists at the time, tore his left ACL in March of that year and was lost, and the Timberwolves fell off the map. We loved Ricky back then. It was uh, it was still the period where we thought he was going to be great. So he's number nine. That didn't end his career, obviously, but it did cause that season to go off the rails. Number eight, Jimmy Butler. Let's just say that starting with uh, this next Wolves game and the next eight after that, it's going to become very, very difficult. It's going to go from the Wolves are going to go from being what we thought, Phil Mackey, was a surefire playoff team to a team that is going to have its work cut out for it to make the playoffs. So so we have not seen how this story ends yet, but the torn meniscus and uh, subsequent surgery for Jimmy Butler could cause the Wolves playoff stretch to go to 14 years of not making it. Number seven, I got creative here, but I'm going to go back to your team. Your, I think one of your favorite teams of all time, the 2004 Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. A team that was that had Spreewell and Garnett and Cassell. And a team that in the Western Conference Finals, mm, let's just say Cassell was not available for that entire series because of the celebration that he did in the Sacramento series. And Flip Saunders always said it was the Cassell dance after he made a shot in Game 7 of the conference semis against Sacramento that caused him to uh, suffer a 
avulsion fracture in his hip. And Sam Cassell, I looked it up last night. I think he ended up missing games uh, games five and six of that series. He was very limited, I want to say, maybe in game two. But Sam Cassell's um, availability for the conference finals against the Lakers def- definitely impacted by the big blank dance. I think it just shows you that Pedro Serrano, much tougher than Sam Cassell. Much more of a warrior well, than Sam Very Cassell. well might have been. Yeah. So, so Sam Cassell is number seven on my list. Number six on my list, I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine and go to Craig Hartsburg, a guy that Lou Nanny talks about all the time as having probably would have been the best defenseman in North Star history, but he missed more than 100 games in the mid-80s because of knee problems, returned for two healthy seasons, and then had two more years in which he had knee problems again. He retired around his 30th birthday, and he never achieved what he could have, which would have been to be a dominant defenseman in this league because of those knee problems. So Craig Hartsburg, not uh, not so much for derailing one season in North Star history, but for the fact that his career was definitely cut short and and he never achieved what we would have expected or hoped because of knee problems. Number five on my list, I begin with the head traumas that have become such a problem in this town. <laughs> this is a game I was at. 2013, August 19th, a makeup game against the Mets from a series that had started here in April, and they played two of the three games, I believe, but one of the games was snowed out. Well, in the makeup game, and what was supposed to be an off day, August 19th of that year, Ike Davis, Ron Davis, the former Twins closer, his kid fouled a 91-mile-per-hour fastball from Anthony Swarzak off the mask of one Joe Maurer. That was the final concussion uh, that Maurer, as far as we know, suffered. Joe Maurer did not play the rest of that season. It was that November that they, the Twins did a conference call announcing that he was being moved to first base. And he did not hit over 277 in the next three seasons. Yep. Before that, he was a 323 hitter. Joe Maurer's Hall of Fame track was basically derailed probably by a series of concussions while catching. But a known fact, that August 19th concussion definitely derailed Joe Maurer's uh, path to Cooperstown when he suffered the concussion with a foul ball. Number four on my list, Theodore Bridgewater, 2016, dislocated his left knee and did massive damage to that leg in a non-contract contact drill at Winter Park in a practice. He has played one game since, and there looks to be a very good chance that he is now going to walk away from the Vikings after having started the entire, what, 2015 season, having been their quarterback of the future, having been a guy who looked like a really quality draft pick at 32nd overall in 2014, Teddy Bridgewater's number four. Number three, I know about this one from history. June 29th, 1971. Joe Rudy of the Oakland A's hits a fly ball Tony Oliva in right field uh, makes a diving attempt, I believe, on the warning track. I'm not positive about this. Yeah. Tears up his right knee. Now, now I did some research last night. Oliva actually had had surgery uh, for torn ligaments in that knee in 1966 and 67. So the knee was already bad, but this did it for him. And much like Maurer, this probably derailed his chance to make the Hall of Fame. He played in only 10 games in 1972 and did not hit... 300 in his last four years after hitting 300 in six of his first eight full seasons. So in the case of Maurer and Oliva, there's little doubt in my mind that those injuries 
uh, took away their chance to become Hall of Fame players. Number two was Ziggy Wills' first quarterback, Dante Culpepper, 2005. Now, I know that that seven games into the 2005 season, Dante Culpepper was struggling. But keep in mind, Dante Culpepper was coming off of 2004, in which, if it weren't for Peyton Manning's spectacular play, we're talking about an MVP-type year. Dante Culpepper in 2004 was fantastic. Uh, when Culpepper took the hit from a couple Carolina Panthers on that right knee, including Mike Mentor, he tore three of the four ligaments in his knee. His knee basically blew up. Basically ended his career here, and I, I think for all intents and purposes, it ended his career because he bounced around what? He went, I want to say, Oakland, Lions. He was traded to the Dolphins. Dante Culpepper's career, derailed by that, was never the same. He's number two on my list. Mm-hmm. And number one is a guy who's back with the Twins now as an instructor, an advisor, but a guy who had had an MVP-type uh, se- season, or had an MVP season, I should say, in 2006. He was having hmm. an MVP-type season on July 7, 2010, when his um, his head collided with the knee of the Blue Jays' John McDonald while Justin Morneau was sliding into second base. He was hitting, in the first half of that year, a career-high 345, 437 on base percentage, which led the big leagues, not just the American League, and had a 617 slugging percentage at that All-Star break. He could not, because of that concussion, play in the All-Star game, and there is no questioning the fact that he was never the same player after that. So my 10 are Morneau, Culpepper, Oliva, Bridgewater, and Maurer, my top five. Craig Hartsburg, Sam Cassell, Jimmy Butler, Ricky Rubio, and Adrian Peterson. Uh, let me tell you, you have, oh, I think your list is shuffled much differently than mine, and you have at least one or two omissions that I need to take issue with Love when we it. come back. Good. It's the pecking order, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Two guys, Woo! one topic. Sports. Mackie and Judd are back. Hamburg is crazy. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Catholic United Financial. This is the pecking order. Today's topic. Buzzkill and catastrophic Minnesota sports injuries. Here are Mackie and Judd. <laughs> All right, speed through your list real quick here again, because I take issue with one omission. All right, just an uh, unless I misheard it three times. Go ahead. Uh, Justin Morneau is one. Dante Culpepper is two. Tony Oliva back in 1971 with the knee problems is three. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Joe Maurer uh, and the concussions, five, six through ten. Craig Hartsburg of the North Stars. Sam Cassell in 2004 with the Wolves. Jimmy Butler. Ricky Rubio in 2011 Rubio. with the torn ACL. And Adrian Peterson in uh, 2011 and then subsequently 2016. Hmm. Those are my top ten. Um, so, all right, we'll get to the omission here in just a second. There's a lot of honorable mentions. I wasn't sure what to do with some of these. On the Peterson front, I didn't put them on my list because... Even though they were personally devastating injuries for him, like probably costing him higher rankings in the all-time yardage, you know, pantheon. Yep. They weren't going to win the Super Bowl in either of the years that he got hurt. So it wasn't like I I, I go off of would the team have gone to you know greater sure. heights? It's if, open for interpretation, yep. no so, question. Yeah. So I didn't put Peterson on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I let's just start here. I've got. Jimmy Butler, number 10, because we don't know yet. 
right. it could wind up being much higher if they miss the playoffs and he doesn't come back the same guy. If he if he can't f- fire it up or it leads to multiple surgeries or if this was the end of his run as a great player, then this would be in the top three maybe for what you had to give up to get him. But for right now, it's it's sitting uh, it's sitting at number ten on my list. Number nine on my list is a little bit off the board, and I'm going off potential here. Jason Kubel had two knee surgeries before he really broke out in the major leagues. So so Jason Kubel, this was an era where people didn't follow minor leagues quite as closely. Mm-hmm. But at one point in 2004, between AA and AAA, before he missed the entire 05 season due to a devastating knee injury. It was the Culpepper. Yep. This dude hit 350 with a 1,000 OPS and 70 extra base hits in 127 games. He was one of the top prospects in baseball, hands down, and was going to be... So everyone at that time was talking about Justin Morneau and Joe Maurer and, you know, Torrey Hunter was in his prime. Jason Kuba was the future number three hitter of that lineup for 10 years. And he bounced back to become a pretty good major league hitter, but the speed was gone. You know, this was a guy who stole 16 bases in 2004. Mm-hmm. I don't think he stole five as a twin any in any season beyond that because his knees were shot. So... The what could have been with Jason Kubel is number nine on my list. Mm-hmm. Number eight, way off the board, but stick with me, Peyton Manning. And I put him on the list of devastating Minnesota sports injuries because if he hadn't undergone neck surgery prior to the 2011 NFL season, mm-hmm. the Vikings would have drafted either first or second. They would have wound up with either Andrew Luck or the boatload that Washington got from St. Or I'm sorry, that St. Louis got from Washington for that RG3 spot number two. Mm-hmm. Now, they got a they got a pick from Cleveland, and then they, they moved down to four to take Matt Khalil. Uh, but if, if Peyton Manning plays that season, the Vikings either pick number one overall or number two overall, and you're either in a position to get Andrew Luck, and now Luck got hurt now, so it's kind of... But you would have had like five years of Andrew Luck, or you would have had another team trading up to number two for RG3 and would have given you their entire draft. I'll give you points and they for missed being out creative. on those two. Yeah, Very creative of you. So that's number uh, number eight. Uh-huh. Number seven, Tony Oliva. I'm with you on this one. So he missed. He was toward the back end of his prime, but he was only 32 years old when when the knee surgery struck, or 33. Batting champion. He had made eight consecutive All Star games. He had received MVP votes in eight consecutive seasons and a Rookie of the Year, and was absolutely headed for the Hall of Fame. Yes. Missed basically the entire 1972 season. Came back as a decent player, but the power was much more diminished. Uh, the speed was basically gone. He only stole two bases the rest of his career. I believe he did not. 73 to 76. I want to say in like his last four years, he did not play in, in the field ever again. I think he DH'd for about a, a right. four-year period. In, fa- in fact, he, yep. is, he is the first uh, DH in, in American League history to hit a home run. Oh, interesting. The day they introduced the, the DH, uh, Ron Blomberg, I believe, of the Yankees was the first one. And Oliva, I think, homered in Oakland. He was the first DH to homer. So he probably, you know, I, I'm sure he probably, I don't know if the home run, he was never a huge power. He was a 20, no, kind of 25 great, home run power hitter. Great but, average hitter, yeah. But he probably winds up, he for sure winds up with well over 2,000 hits. Yeah. Um, why did he not play really until he was 25 years old? Uh, hadn't come over didn't from come over Cuba, he was later. I believe, okay. until, yeah. Okay. So that just I think that's a, that's an example of why Tony Oliva if you just take the guy's eight peak years as a Hall of Famer. Yes. He's much more of a Hall of Famer than longevity guy mm-hmm. who never really popped up or did anything. Mm-hmm. So Tony Oliva number 7 on my list. 
Uh, Ricky Rubio, number six, because the Wolves were one game out of the eight seed when he tore his ACL one month before the playoffs. You could almost put Ricky, in fact, I'll do this. Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love in back-to-back years with Kevin Love's knuckle push-ups in air quotes. Stupidity didn't make my list. It's kind of it's kind of all in and, the same grouping. Pekovic. In fact, you know what? Let's make it a trio. about it, Kevin. It's Rubio, Pekovic, Kevin Love, the lost era of Timberwolves basketball. It wouldn't have resulted in championships, but a playoff appearance maybe? Uh, like, hope, could they have gone to the playoffs? I hope she was worth it, Kevin. It's number six. Yeah. Hope she was worth that fight. Yeah, probably not, my guess is. I no, think he's dating somebody else now. No, she wasn't. Now we get to the top five. Devastating Minnesota sports injuries, and in your omission is in my top five. Number five, Justin Morneau. At the time of the concussion in 2010, Albert Pujols step aside. Justin Morneau was the single best hitter in baseball the first half of the 2010 season. His yeah. career had crescendoed. He was batting like 360. With a bunch of home runs, a bunch of doubles. 345, fourth at 37 okay. on base percentage, and a 617 slugging percentage. So when insane. he got hurt. Yes. So, he, so his MVP. OPS was well over 1,000. He was the MVP yes. of the league. It would have been a second MVP award for Justin Morneau. Hall of Fame trajectory and was never the same player. Now, he did bounce back a few years later, won a batting title but in was... Colorado, but he still wasn't the same guy. Number five. Mm-hmm. Number four, Dante Culpepper. You know, yeah. Now he was having a crappy season before the knee injury, so it's hard. You know, would, would he have bounced back if he had been healthy? You know, they probably still would have fired Mike Tice. Does he mesh with Childress even if he's healthy? Like, there's a lot of questions there about Dante Culpepper. But 2004 had been a fantastic season. Yes, so it he, was devastating. He was the runner-up for the NFL MVP in yes. 2004, and then boom, career basically over a year later. Yep. Number three, this is where we get into. There's a couple in here that I'm I'm ranking higher because of what would have happened if this player stayed healthy. 2006 Francisco Liriano. I think if he's healthy. And if Johan Santana gets another crack in that series against Oakland, I think they win the World Series. I do. Um, the, the problem was Brad Radke had a frayed labrum. Liriano was out. Yeah. And so once Johan Santana lost game one, and it was like a 2 nothing or 2-1 to one game in game one, and he went eight innings and absolutely shoved. But Torrey, they, they couldn't hit, and Torrey Hunter winds up with the, uh, the misplay in center field. I think if they go back-to-back, Johan and Liriano, they split those first two games, and now they feel great because they can bring those guys back in games four and games five. Like, if you're throwing those two guys in four of the five games, you ain't losing that series against Oakland. And because he was out, they didn't have a chance to advance and win the World Series. That's the best Twins team maybe of all time. And they got swept in three games by the A's. You had Torrey Hunter in his prime, Gold Glove Award, Michael Kadiar breakout season, Justin Morneau MVP, Joe Maurer batting champion. Joe Nathan was the second best closer in baseball. Mm-hmm. Liriano and Santana were the two best starting pitchers in the entire league. Mm-hmm. And you had a lights out bullpen bridge too. And, and Rincon and Romero and, and those guys. Fold in the playoffs, you're correct. Yes. Uh, didn't even win a game. Number two, this is your omission. Kirby Puckett. I couldn't put him on. So let me explain, yeah. and then I think you have more explaining to do than I do based go, on my go, Twitter mentions right why, now. There's a reason why I couldn't put him on. So Puckett, I'll grant you this. Puckett was closer to the end of his career than people remember. He was 35 years old after the 2000, after the 1995 season. Yeah. But he was still a 314 hitter and, uh, and competing for batting championships. The year before he took the fastball to the eye, or before he woke up, you know, I guess it was, up. yeah. Uh, 23 home runs, 99 RBIs. Uh, the guy had 2,300 career hits. He was a Hall of Famer. Even The voters looked and said that's a Hall of Fame resume. But 
if he had played, let's say, three more years, he gets over 2,500 hits, uh, you know, probably gets to 250 career home runs or maybe even closer to 300 career home runs, etc. Kirby Puckett. And then he also didn't have a chance to play with Paul Molitor on that 1996 team. And that, that offense would have been – that offense was awesome in 96. It would have been great. even they better. They couldn't pitch. Uh, I couldn't put him on because of this. If the doctors had ever come out and say – that said that the Dennis Martinez pitch hitting him had caused the glaucoma, had caused the eye problems. He makes my list, but they didn't. So I didn't. I didn't put him on because his career ended because of something that happened off the field entirely. Does that matter to me? It does. Yes. Why? To me, it does because I because my entire list is built on guys who got hurt on the field or well, the ice. Okay. So so Puckett. If How they, do we know that like? How do we know that? Uh, so it's not it's not a direct it, it's never been Sam proven Cassell to be a didn't direct hurt cause. Himself in a nightclub. He's we, number one on my list, by the way. We Sam don't Cassell. we don't know that, but Flip said that the big blank dance caused the problem. Okay. I, I'm willing to believe Flip. <laughs> now it's amazing now, splitting Kirby, of hairs that now, you're doing right now to leave Kirby Puckett a, off of your te- devastating injuries. It's list. a technicality based on the fact that <laughs> Kirby Puckett did not have a devastating injury, as far as we know, caused by the sport he played. Okay, that's that's, that's a, why he's off an my amazing list. splitting of hairs. That's why he's off my list. Uh, Sam Cassell is number one because I think the Timberwolves win the championship if he's healthy. Oh, First Cassell's of all, they, number one. Oh, he's I'm, number one. I, okay, they, wow. They went six games against a dynasty. Yeah. They went six games against the <laughs> dynasty Lakers team, and they would have had the two best players on the court against the Pistons. Now the Lakers did too, but they couldn't get along. By then they couldn't get along, and they hated each other. Sure. They had Malone and Gary Payton and stuff. Yep. Uh, I think. If they can go six games against the Lakers without Sam Cassell, I think they beat the Lakers maybe in six with him or in seven. And then I think they ride the momentum and they go on to beat the Pistons in the NBA Finals. So Sam Cassell's number one because I think they would have won the championship that year. Okay. Kirby Puckett's number two because he's the greatest Twins player of all time. And uh, people were looking forward to at least a couple more years of Kirby Puckett riding off into the sunset. And that 1996 team was touted as, hey, Paul Molitor's here. Terry Steinbach, mm-hmm. this is going to be a hell of a team. Marty Cordova was the rookie of the year the year before. Francisco Liriano, Dante Culpepper, Justin Morneau, Ricky Rubio, Tony Oliva, uh, Jason Kubel, Peyton Manning, and Jimmy Butler are my list. All right. Other honorable mentions, Zach Parisi from a couple years ago when uh, he didn't play in the playoffs. Yep. Kevin Love knuckle push-ups. Teddy Bridgewater didn't make my list because he came. He, he's back and he's 25 years old, and I don't know. I have to see how that plays we out. We think he's back. Joe Maurer was more wear and tear. Uh, so you put Joe Maurer on your list Joe because Maurer, of the concussion. Joe Maurer yeah, was more... the concussion was a big deal. That was more... But but again, that... He, I disagree. He, he said he was fine after the concussion. I don't believe him. Okay. I don't believe him for one second. His injuries were more wear and tear from catching for 10 years and being like six foot four than, I, than the concussion. I think the fact that he had to spend the rest of that year in a dark room and, and had vision problems that he talked about thereafter for quite a while mm-hmm. had a direct impact. And he went from being a guy who consistently hit 300 or above to being below that for, what, a three-year period? And I think that's directly related to the concussions. Yeah, and we'll never know because he never talks about injuries. Yep. Which, which is, is to his detriment. Him. Like, he should he should probably open up more about injuries because people wonder, what the hell happened to you when you were 31? Why, it, didn't, you, why didn't you carry over the 09 season? It would have made never sense. Answers. All right, Dave. Would you have put Kirby Puckett on your list? I would have put him on mine. I do understand Judd's justification, however, not putting him on. I get it. That's fine. It's your prerogative to do that. Peyton Manning on your list, though. I'll give you credit. It's outside the box. <laughs> it's yeah, creative. It really is. I don't think it's the spirit of the list, but 
Damn, I wouldn't have thought of it. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate There's it. There's no spirit, though. I mean, it's just, you know, you sit, you sit down and get as creative as possible. So I sort of like it. It's more creative to leave Kirby Puckett off of a devastating Minnesota sports injury list than for me to put Peyton Kubel surprised me. But that was, I mean, Jason Kubel was. Kubel surprised me more than. That dude was, was more highly touted, I think, than even Justin Morneau coming up through the system. That's right. And I mean, somebody might got, debate me on that. He, but he got was, hurt. In Arizona Fall League, is that right? Yes. I it think wasn't that's even a minor league game. It was a Fall League game. Okay. Add me to the list of people who didn't know just how good he was as a minor leaguer. Because you said his name. I'm like, really? Yeah. But you smelt the numbers. I mean, like, he was it's insane there. in the minor leagues. And then he came back and was, you know, he was fine. Hit 20 home runs a couple times. But, and then he was a good outfielder within the hula hoop range that he had left <laughs> after the ball. knee injuries. Yeah, his knee blew up. It would take him a half hour to run, you know, 20 yards to catch a fly ball. Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? Fun college basketball game last night. I'm going to need your help for a, a reality TV update from last night and <laughs> oh. what's really going on in the uh, Olympic Village or what really went down, I should say. Uh-oh. Is that going to be uh, PG or should we throw out the bat signal for the kids to stop listening. No, we'll keep it clean. Uh, let's talk about the 2018 Camry for a second here at Luther Brookdale Toyota, the all-new 2018 Camry. In fact, if you go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com right now, you can see it's the first it's the first picture on their featured section. Just the sleek new look. They do such a good job every couple of years of going back to the drawing board and saying, all right, how can we modernize this? You know, technology is evolving People are moving faster. Attention spans are shorter. Let's let's keep the upgrades coming on a yearly basis. So uh, check out the new exterior design, the sportier styling of the Camry, and also a driver-focused interior with all kinds of new bells and whistles. This is the Entune 3.0 system that speaks to your style with a customizable home screen. Uh, you get the app suite with Toyota Connected Services. It can connect your phone to your uh, to your vehicle's interior, to an innovative technology, safety technology. Combine that with the great people at Luther Brookdale Toyota, and there's no reason why you should even consider going anywhere else, like my family and I for 30-plus years. Corner of 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, it's Luther Brookdale Toyota. Mackie and Judd now continue. Here we go, here we go. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps. As we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Dave Harrigan, time for Stuff. Thanks, Judd. Welcome, David. I love the hate between these two. The two being Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones. Love hate. Schefter with the details. There's no love anymore. The league is basically ordering Jones to pay back all the fees that the compensation committee occur, incurred while defending itself against Jerry Jones and also for the legal fees spent on defending Ezekiel Elliott. Jerry Jones did not make many friends amongst NFL owners this past year. There were many that were disappointed, upset, angered by some of the acts that he engaged in with Ezekiel Elliott then trying to derail Commissioner Goodell's contract extension. There were not many people, not many other owners who were happy. 
So with the Ezekiel Elliott stuff and Jerry Jones trying to block the contract extension for Roger Goodell, Roger says, bleep you, I want two plus million bucks for all that we had to pay in lawyers. <laughs> where does the where does that money go to? Oh, so it's just to pay for the legal fees. Yes. Okay, yeah, so it just just goes and to it's the two million bucks him. for Jerry Jones. It's a drop in the bucket, but oh, I love that they're yeah, I envision uh, Jerry Jones has rolls of like $20 bills in each of his 17 bathrooms in his mansion. He'll just, he'll just, he'll basically just rip off a few uh, squares from one of his A little straight cash homie type of deal here? Yes. <laughs> Virginia Tech Duke basketball last night. The uh, Hokies came out with a nice victory. Bibbs hop step, fires it left wing for Alexander Walker. Blow by, long jumper, no good. But Clark with the stick back on the other side. Tech leads with four seconds to play. Grayson Allen racing into the front court, launches a three. No good. It's no good. The Hokies are dancing in Blacksburg, Mikey, and they should be dancing for the second time in back-to-back seasons. John Laser, old friend good from the him. Twin Cities. I used to work with him like 12 years ago. He's an awesome, he's an he's awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, so good guy. John Laser on the play-by-play, that's a guy who grinded out the minor league baseball circuit for like 10 or 15 years. Gotta want it. Single A, he was uh, Richmond, he's been double A, and... He's, so you see all these guys. I remember drinking with him in the lobby at the winter meetings a few years back, and now he's into he's Virginia Tech, I think, basketball and football. Yeah, yes. so, anyways, that was cool. Uh, well, he was on the call. He also got to call Grayson Allen sort of kind of kicking one of the Hokies players during a scrum for the ball and diving on him and grabbing his arm. So he's back to his old ways. And then there was this moment of the game with about three, three, a little more than three minutes left. It was a four-point game, and... Grayson Allen went up for a jump shot, and the foul was called. It was a little sketchy. Not sure there was any contact. And, of course, the crowd gets into it. The BS chant, BS, BS, only spelled out. Well, Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech coach, no, no. Buzz Williams taking the microphone here. Guys, quit cussing. Quit cussing. Don't throw anything on the floor regardless of what's happening. Middle of the game. Middle yeah. of the game. Yep. Yeah. Walked over, took the mic, and yeah, right to, during the uh, stoppage of play. It was actually pretty cool to watch. They seemed to respond. Yeah, they did. The students seemed to respond. They did. The uh, the BS chant cut right out once he grabbed the mic. <laughs> Good for him. That's fine. I love tanking in the NBA, too. Brian Windhorst, who joined us yesterday, later in the day, was a guest on Outside the Lines, and tanking was the topic, and... Who knew analytics goes this far? There are entire analytics departments that are established out there to find ways to get the best five players on the court in any situation. And the coaches are given reams of data about this to help them prepare. And what NBA executives have detailed to me is that there's some inverse analytics going on where coaches are potentially being given data on what lineups to play that maybe not be successful. And we're certainly seeing that with the Dallas Mavericks. It's being hidden under the guise of, quote, player development, which is another way of saying we're going to put our young, less good players out there. So they're trying to find the worst oh. possible combinations. All right, give us a swinging this gate is, front court. This is great fun. Oh it's God. wonderful. Well, it's, I mean, it's got to be a bad combination that looks good on at least some paper, right? Because otherwise it's just, hey, Mark Madsen, go up there and chop. So how did that conversation <laughs> with the a- analytics department first start? Uh, I want the worst possible co- combination. No, coach, you mean the best. No, I mean the worst. 
I want it, I want everyone to think it might work. Yeah, but it's gonna blow up. Well, in I my suppose face. they probably get a list because it's not. They get reports, I'm sure, that show them even when they're trying to put the best lineups out, like what lineups you should avoid. So, hey. We just deliver the information. It's the coach's job to figure out how to use it. Uh, Brian Windhurst, if you missed it yesterday, available on demand. A lot of Jimmy Butler speculation. Yeah, we had to go down our list. All the Mayak basketball coaches were booked. And so oh, we start. went to Brian Windhurst no, no. instead. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he rips us all the it's time. It's now time for another update on all the drama from The Bachelor. Here's Phil Mackey. All right, Phil, you're going to have to help me out oh, a little boy. bit of this because I only saw the clips, but you've got Becca. Oh. Yeah, He's one Becca. of the last few, right? Uh, Becca, I believe, is the one from Minneapolis. Okay. Yep. And Jen, there's only there's a few three, left. Three left. Few as, bachelorettes well, trying for two the love now, but yeah, yeah. Of Ari Lyondike Jr., son of the race car driver Ari Lyondike. Yeah. So you get the night in the fantasy suite, Ari and Becca. I mean, this is for real now. This oh, yeah. is this is going down. Things are going down. And the next and day, up. and down, the ex shows up, Ross Jurgle, who just happens to be Stanford football's sports performance coach. Oh, that's, that's what he the is. sports tie-in. That's why we get to this and stuff you should know about. And Ross shows up at the bachelor Ari's door, a knocking. Hey, what's up, dude? I'm Ross. Hey, Ross, how are you? Good, man. I'm Becca's ex. Oh, okay. <laughs> I opened the door, and my initial reaction was just uh, confusion. What's going on? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, I came, I came all this way. Um, found out about a week ago that she's on the show. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know that the show ends in. A proposal, and uh, she's the, she's the love of my life. I want to marry her. I'm gonna go get her. If Becca were to leave, I would just be crushed. Like the whole thing makes me so angry and upset. <laughs> Nerd. That blows my mind. Guys, huge. <laughs> Always crazy. Yeah. Oh. So okay. So first of all, <laughs> this I don't has know to be said. the stupidest show of all time. But please go on because it oh, sounds incredible. delightfully stupid. Oh, they also well, they've got spinoffs too. They've got Bachelor in Paradise. They've got the Win- Bachelor Winter Games. It's wildly popular. I don't know why. You guys must be the only two who haven't jumped on the bandwagon. So just at this quickly, point. just quickly. So Stanford guy shows up. He's obviously not part of the show. Becca's no. his ex. And hey, Becca's but, but from still, Minnesota. But he loves Becca. So they dated for seven years. Yes. Okay. And they, but they've been broken up for a year, okay. and we don't know the details. But there were some distance issues. And and, you know, life happens. So Becca applies to be on The Bachelor, winds up winning the heart. Ari said, I love you to all three of the remaining women. It oh, was very dramatic. Oh, yeah. that is Can you dirty. do that? Can you it do was. the hat trick? Well, he said he's in love with all of them. He had to kick one of them off the show, so there's going to be two left for next week's finale. So, so this guy shows up with a bouquet of flowers in, in, Peru. in Peru. Peru. So this guy, this guy probably drops... Oh, I'm sure the producers paid for this to happen, but like, in theory, he drops a couple grand to go hop on him. a flight, right? Yeah. And I love the, the uh, the so Becca and Ari have to feign surprise. Oh, who are you? Even though this is clearly scripted out. Uh, so he delivers the flowers to Becca thinking, hey, it's in the bag. Like, I'm back. She wasn't having any of it. Oh, no. Didn't even entertain it. Wouldn't let him in her hotel room. Wouldn't touch the flowers. Gal from Minnesota stood her ground and sent this dude packing Stanford from guy Peru out? back to, yes. Wow. As I read, accused him of living his life like it's a movie, like it was the notebook. And he said, yeah, I agree with that. Oh! <laughs> wow. Come on, Judd. The time's What's like it going to take? The finale is next Monday. Why don't you come over? We'll pour some red wine. 
Oh no, I can't. I can't. I got something going on next Monday. <gasps> I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to find something. <laughs> uh, there's got to be something going on. What do you think life is like inside the Olympic Village? All those young athletes. I think we know. In shape. It's been described before. Well, like they just you know, horny they, atmosphere. They describe right? it as what over 110,000 uh, condoms yep. that were uh, delivered uh, this year to Fish the Olympic Bowl Village. Full of them, right? Something like 37 per athlete. Well, Mark McMorris was a bronze medalist uh, for Canada in the slope-style snowboarding competition. He actually lives in L.A. now, but returned, and TMZ caught up with him, and he just happens to be showing off the hat he got in exchange for, you know, they they, they give a whole bunch of stuff to all the other athletes. They exchange stuff, and he got a hat from American snowboarder Jamie, what's her name? I don't even remember her last name. Yeah. Alexander or something. I don't know, whatever it is. Anyway... So the question has to ask, I mean, come on, all those condoms, I mean, it's got to be pretty wild, huh? It's so serious. Everybody's just like trying to, trying to stay on their, on their game to do as good as they can. And I stayed to the end and it's a dry village, if you will. No alcohol, so. Really? Thus rendering dry all around. <laughs> Oh, oh, no. oh, oh, wow. There's nothing going on. Oh, so it's like, it's boring. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I have to think that there's some hookups despite no alcohol, and there's probably ways to sneak in a few little <gasps> flasks of something, right? I'm sure the snowboarders get creative. Yeah. If it's not a flask, it's something else. Something else. I mean, <laughs> they'll doobie, maybe. Smoke a little something. <gasps> Wow, that's, that's too bad. That sounds really, really boring. One note to wrap this up. How do we feel? It bummed me out a little bit to read this morning. The U.S. Open is all done with the 18-hole playoffs. As of this year, it's now a two-hole playoff format. They're the last yeah. major to move that way. It was always a buzzkill when you had drama on Sunday, and then you had to say, time out, we're going to be back tomorrow when everyone's working and not really able to bet? watch the whole thing. Do you wanna, what do you want to bet uh, Fox went to them and said, let's not do 18 holes for, for the playoff? But, the, but I would think that you get extra TV ratings but putting it's Monday. all day on Monday. But it's Monday. Yeah, but you'd still get a boost over whatever the hell you're no, showing on daytime. No, right? no, no. But think, think about this. If you play two playoff holes on Sunday, the drama builds up immediately. But it's been building throughout the whole day get, anyways. No, but my my point is you add people. If On Monday, your issue is are there that many available people to watch TV in the afternoon? And the answer is no. So th- this is about capitalizing on what you already have on Sunday, and the building drama just adds viewers throughout the day. Mm. Move it to the afternoon, the evening. Play it primetime Monday. Under the lights, it's, maybe? Well, it's summer. And you can play till 9 o'clock. Let's go here. Remember Start when, at 4. When, when Tiger Woods TV. and David Duvall did those, like, duels under the <laughs> yes. lights in the late 90s? Remember them Sergio well. and Tiger. Yep. Dueling in the desert. Mm-hmm. Exciting stuff. All right. Uh, we still have Derek Wetmore from The Fort around 11.15. At the top of the hour, what the hell is the Big Ten doing on a couple different fronts? we got to get to that. And some more reckless speculation. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Give each other $20, okay? Put it on Underhill. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities and Motions. Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile. It's Saturday, March 24th. You can bring your Lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top, test, uh, top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ photo booth activities for all ages, plus the hot dish and, of course, beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners will receive a Storm Creek Long Sleeve Quarter Zip technical pullover. Details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. 
Uh, ben Gessling from the Star Tribune actually had this first on Twitter about 15 minutes ago. An update on Teddy Bridgewater. Sources say the NFL Management Council has decided not to toll his contract for next year. He'll be a free agent on March 14th, absent a new deal with the Vikings before then. I think the news of Case Keenum not being franchised compared to the news of Teddy Bridgewater's contract not being told, Mm -hmm. I think the door is much more open for Bridgewater than Keenum. I don't read the door to be shut for all of them entirely. I think, you know, I mean, the market's going to play itself out. But um, I think there's a much greater chance, now that they're officially all free agents, I think there's a much better chance that the Vikings would bring Bridgewater back than Case Keenum. Well, and the question now becomes, too, what does what does Teddy and Teddy's reps think his his value on a potential contract is? Because that could, I mean, Bridgewater could be well aware of the fact that, that he's not close mm-hmm. to being at full strength yet. Keenum is going to seek a payday that I don't think there's any chance the Vikings are going to give him. And here's a nugget from earlier this hour, Pro Football Talk tweets. Per source, Kirk Cousins' current plan is to not agree to terms during the two-day negotiating uh, period, so the two-day tampering period, but to start taking visits with teams on March 14th. Reckless speculation. You like that? You like that? Which is the day that free agency Manny's baby, fire it up. officially opens at, uh, I think it might be 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock our time. Uh, the, the key here, and I'm not kidding about this, at least when I covered the league, was to be the first team to get the guy to come to you and to keep him at your building as long as absolutely possible. I, I recall the year before uh, the Vikings made the trade for Jared Allen, there was a free agent a defensive end with Cincinnati, Justin Smith. And Justin Smith's visit list went 49ers-Vikings. The 49ers got him to San Francisco, took him up in a helicopter above the Golden Gate Bridge, and basically said, this can all be yours. Guess who never got to Minnesota? Justin Smith. Yeah, and and that's all due respect to the Hennepin Avenue Bridge and the Stone Arch Bridge and the Lowry Bridge. We love our bridges here. We never got they, the they, chance they to get them in, in the copper. Yeah. Uh, emailers from our from our pecking order segments here where you left Kirby Puckett off your devastating yeah. Minnesota sports injuries list. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's start with let's start with this email from Ryan Judd. You are an idiot. Glaucoma may not have caused the Twins to miss out on a World Series per se, but it did rob Minnesota sports fans of enjoying the end of the most popular Minnesota sports ever figure's career. Surprised you didn't have Favre's concussion on TCF Bank Stadium on your list. Okay, but I... That wasn't as devastating. Like, Favre no, was pretty much cut the season. Was I up. explained before, though, the reason that I didn't have Puckett on my list is, is him being hit by the pitch was never directly... Um, his retirement and glaucoma was never directly attributed to being hit by the pitch. It was off the field. Professional hair splitter. My entire list is built on guys who were hurt either on the ice or the field, not off the field or off the ice or off the court. Gunner tweets in, so Judd added his own restriction on a list for a radio show. Uh, why did your whole list have to be on the field? I didn't hear Dave Harrigan stipulate that. Wow, no pucket. There were no. Like you did. There were no stipulations. There were no stipulations. I did my own research and decided to settle on my own ten. And I and Gunner, guess what? I came up with the parameters. Okay, then I didn't include arm injuries. I'm going to go back. Liriano's off my list. Arm injuries shouldn't you can, count. As I put in my note to you last night, you could do it however you saw fit. So if there's Le- no right or wrong. So if if, uh, if Liriana were to have fallen off his motorcycle like Jeff Kent or carrying groceries, I would not up, have put him on my list. On I list. I came up with a top ten list based solely on guys who were either hurt on the field, on the ice, or on the court. 
That happened to Clint Barmas one time, that shortstop for the Rockies oh, and he, the Astros. That was he, the worst lie of all time. He was carrying two bags of groceries up some steps and fell backwards, was, and he was out for yeah, the season. Yeah, sure, sure it did, yeah. Didn't Travis Hafner do something like that, too? I think, I think it's and happened it's a all, And baseball players are the most creative liars of all time. <laughs> Do you recall? Aggie? I don't know how that needle got in my ass. I'm not sure what that substance is. Do you guys is. recall years ago, Ricky Aguilera, I think, got hurt allegedly picking up a suitcase? I think he hit the DL because he was right. picking up a suitcase. Heard yeah. Strained his yeah. wrist or something. I believe right? that one completely. I would have believed it more Big if he said, player. I just I carried this bullpen on my back for the last five years, and now I although, have although a slip disc. Knuckle push ups are the best lie of all time. And the fact and that that's not a baseball it wasn't just like an player. impromptu lie. It was people got into a room and decided that this would be the lie that they yes. would tell the public. Yes. Yeah. The nice two job. the two stupidest things in the last 10 years were were that decision and then the twins with uh, Maurer. Bilateral, Bilateral leg, weakness. leg weakness is one of the stupidest things I've ever come across.